And so talk to me about post-retirement. Like, what do you feel like your interactions in healthcare has been since you retired and since maybe you've changed insurance or talk, talk to me about that. Since I have retired, this has been a bunch of bullshit. Hi, mom. Hello, hello. <laughs> I know you're so excited to be back on the podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> Wouldn't miss it for anything. <laughs> so we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart right now. We're going to talk about health care. When I say the word health care or health, what immediately comes to your mind? At this stage of my life, um, just not real happy with any of the services I'm receiving as a retiree. And do you feel like your interaction with healthcare, whether that's the doctors, nurses, whoever, or insurance or anything has changed over time? Oh, it definitely has changed over time. Um, from pregnancy to just regular health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had excellent health insurance mm-hmm. um, working for a university. And um, if I didn't like how a doctor, what I thought the treatment would be, even though I'm not AMD, I would um, consult other friends that were doctors or nurses and talk to them about anybody they could refer me to. Okay. So do you feel like, you know, a lot of the research that we see about black women in healthcare tends to focus on lower income African-American women. Mm -hmm. And I I know you're not rich, but you know, you had a good job. You had, like you said, excellent health insurance and maybe you were more middle-class. Do you feel like you were afforded certain privileges because of your insurance status, like that you had good insurance or you were educated? Do you feel like that saved you or that, you know, afforded you to do certain things that other people couldn't do? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think money talks and bullshit walks, you know, and when a doctor is being paid through a good health insurance, they're going to make sure that they get paid. And the only way they can get paid is make sure that the patient is happy. Uh, And so I think they tended to provide the services that I needed and they were able to actually listen to me when things weren't working. Mm. So you had insurance where that if you didn't like it, you'd just be like on to the next. Exactly. I didn't play around. Got it. I hear your mother Mm -hmm. and it just... Something about that ain't sitting with my spirit. Like what part? Like doesn't I sit with your spirit. Money isn't the root of all evil. So yes, money makes things happen. But at the same time, I think that it, money does not overcome racism <laughs> or racism <laughs> and right sexism. And I would say probably you know she. Um, also, I would say her, right, when I, I think about SES, right, she might have money, but she also, like, the important part is, like, education, right? Because mm-hmm. I think about all the folks who may have money or may not and may have education. I think the other thing is, like, maybe personality traits because I think about, like, advocacy in a doctor's office, mm-hmm. unheard of. <laughs> like, like that's not a space one where folks be advocating, especially folks. Not tell, in the past. Tell a doctor today's a new no, day, though. No, they're wrong. And 
I mean, as she said, with zero medical training, she felt that way. So, like, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's something also special or different about her. Yeah. In in that she Delusion. felt like she A could. <laughs> Delusion. I didn't say that, Mom, just in case you're listening. Oh, yeah. that's, that's your favorite over here. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but there's something to be said about, like, the privilege of education and SES class, however you want to yes. call it, and insurance, which especially when she was navigating the healthcare space, insurance really did and still to this day, but really then mattered. For sure. And absolutely. But I'm sure it did matter then. But the other thing I'm thinking of, like, <laughs> the, she's, <laughs> never mind. Let me know. Let me know. But say, say, say what needs to be said. Take. But I'm just like, yes, insurance matters, right? It does. And also, she's like, oh, yeah, they knew they better get me right because I'll go to the next one until they get me right. Like, either way, whether they tell you yes or no, they're going to get their check. <laughs> and insurance is charging you every time. <laughs> so maybe it was just your willpower. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, girl. She what? said she didn't feel any differences in care. She felt like she was treated well. No, and I believe I believe that. I I do believe that. I'm just like I'm just like it just seems like there's more to the story. Yeah, and we'll, I don't want our we'll, listeners. Well stay tuned. I don't How about that? Okay. Stay yes. tuned. She thought she was treated well. All right. And so talk to me about post retirement. Like what do you feel like your interactions in healthcare has been since you retired and since maybe you've changed insurance or talk, talk to me about that. Since I have retired, this has been a bunch of bullshit. It's been <laughs> really hard. It's been hard to navigate. And, um, I've gone from a real good health insurance to, um, Medicare. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm sure Medicare plays for a whole lot of things. But I think the treatment is different. Mm, say more. One thing I noticed from one doctor, he kept adding on things that he thought would help me for an ailment I've had with my ankle and foot. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he would always say to me, are they'll pay for this. They'll pay for the boot. They'll pay for that. Mm -hmm. um, they'll pay for the shot. And I think his focus was more on trying to get paid mm. rather than hearing, I'm still in pain. Mm. That's so interesting to me. So as a pediatrician, we have a lot of patients. We see a lot of patients that are on Medicaid. And for those that don't know, Medicare is generally for people that are, you know, 65 or older um, who've kind of put into the system. And Medicaid tends to be not always, but people that um, are lower income. And some people do qualify for both. Like they're older, get Medicare, but also um, have lower income, so get Medicaid. But so we always think when we see children that are on Medicaid that, you know, not a lot of providers will take them, hit the wait times are super long and everything. And what we're always told is like, oh, but if you had a Medicare population, you know, they get paid good, they cover all the things. So it's really interesting to hear your experience coming into Medicare after being on private insurance mm -hmm. and saying, actually, I haven't had a good experience on Medicare. 
when that is typically what we have thought of as, oh, that is the gold standard. That's the best insurance. But your experience has been opposite of that. Yeah, I think um, I'm coming from, I guess, being pampered with the insurance that pretty much covered everything, but they knew I could go anywhere else. Whereas with Medicare, yeah, um, I think only certain providers accept it. Um, And I don't think, I don't feel like the doctors I have have bent over backwards for me. Mm. Whereas with my other insurance, they damn near kiss your ass to keep you, (laughs) you know? But it's like with Medicare, it's like, see ya. You don't mm. like it? See ya. Mm. We got another one waiting in the wings. Do you think they're looking at your insurance when they're making those decisions about how to treat you? Oh, definitely. Mm. Oh, yeah, I definitely do. So, Boogie, what did you what did you think about that? How do you think, like, uh, mom's experience from her fall from grace, if you will, from private insurance to Medicare and her experiences with healthcare? Then. Yeah, she she is poor. She's poor now. It remind me of this uh, meme where this little is this little white kid with a certain accent, and you go, "Mama, I'm poor, ain't I?" And that's what it is like. Yeah, you poor. This is this is where we at. I'm like, you know what's interesting? Multiple things uh, to me, uh, but one of the biggest is just that you're like. It almost sounds like she kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I have to say, I'm surprised too. Like I said, I thought Medicare you get you would get good treatment because the reimbursement's supposed to be better and all the stuff's supposed to be better. But I I think clearly there's a spectrum, and maybe pediatrics is just on the very low end, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> right? Did you, as a part of your schooling, have to take like a public health class? My, me specifically, did I have to take one? Yeah. No. Did you? I took like public health, like public policy, really. Okay. Not really public health. See, I guess why I'm not surprised is because I was a public health minor and one of our classes was about insurance. It was talking about the differences between like insurance <laughs> gaps, Medicaid, Medicare, and like the only difference between Medicare. But see, all my patients, <laughs> not all my patients, a lot of my patients have Medicaid. And yeah. so it's aspirational but, for us to but, want Medicaid. But what I'm telling I you, I just didn't realize, I was, thought the, the old people, Adult hospitals love them some Medicare patients. Listen, that's what I'm saying. Like back in the day when I took this class, I don't know what laws had changed. Medicare only had like two or three more benefits that Medicaid <laughs> didn't have. And it was Part D, I could name it, which yes. was like a pharmacy or the prescription. Drug supplement. Exactly. It was like only one or two. So like it was a benefit, but it was like it's still for the have not. So I'm like surprised that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I always thought, oh gosh, it would be so much better if kids had Medicare. Um, we'll yeah, talk so about- that they can afford prescriptions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Go figure. Um, yeah, I guess, and, and we'll talk about this later. Okay. But um, there was a study done by Joan Chrysler and and team, or I guess really a review where they pulled together all this different work, and we'll talk about ageism okay. to come, but. Um, there was talk about in this or discussion about 
providers, meaning physicians generally, I think, and healthcare people, how they feel about taking care of elderly people or elders. Oh. Um, and again, we'll dive into it more deeply later, but one of the things they said was that um, it might really have to do with economics. Mm. So given that Medicare reimbursement is less than what physicians get from private insurances yeah. for the same services, right. that could be one of the reasons why they don't really want to deal with elder people. Um, and so I think what mom's picking up on that is mom's picking up on that very like same theme. It's yeah. like, oh, do I really have to deal with you? And it doesn't matter if you don't like me because there, there's another one of you in my waiting room. Yeah, That was kind of what mom was saying. It's like, even if I'm unhappy and I have and I threaten to go somewhere else, they don't care. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, that, that point really did stand out to me because I could totally see, right? Like, oh, you are a number. She talked about like feeling like other doctors when she had private insurance, right? Hand over foot for And one of the things, and I mean, you said this is going to come up later and we'll talk about it, but, uh, what's interesting about hearing mom talk about this and like, they were treating her just to um, alleviate the pain and not to make it go away. Mm. Like mom and I, um, I think I told you about this, but one of the times I went home and I found myself just real short and mean to mom. Mm. I was being mean to her. Um, and I apologized and I was like, mom, I think I'm being mean to you because I feel like you're not taking your health care seriously. Mm right like you like i want you to advocate more and fight more i've been telling you like she might think in her mind this started when the medicare started i think it just became noticeable mm -hmm. to her when the medicare started because i had said for a long time you need to get a new doctor mm -hmm. when i had suggested that she should do look for miracle medical marijuana <laughs> a while ago and i said you should ask your doctor and her doctor said no and i said fuck that man like it is literally it's legal for a reason it, it, he's probably racist and think like you're just trying to get over which is why he won't also prescribe you painkillers right and but I, yeah and so i came so frustrated at her um and then so i i apologized to her and i said you know um mm part of the negative feelings I'm having is probably because of dad. I'm, I'm sad. I don't want to lose you. And, right. Right. Um, and so I just want you to take this serious. Not that you're not. And I said that, not that I don't think that you aren't right. It's just hard for me to hear that you're going back to the hospital. They didn't get it done. Right. They are seemingly to me giving you the runaround. Like let's, move you away from that and mm -hmm. so um and so and i think what's also super interesting is juxtaposition between her and dad because mm -hmm. if dad didn't have medicaid medicare mm -hmm. i don't know it would have been rough it would have been rough emergency rooms i'm guessing mm -hmm. because he didn't have health insurance right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and so um, it's just interesting. Yeah, and he like things. had just turned. Just turned to get it to get Medicare. Yeah, I mean, since you went there, let's like start to go there okay. about um, isms. Some of these isms. Yeah. So as I mentioned, Joan Chrysler and team 
pull together this review. It was mostly about, I want to say women's, older women's experiences in healthcare. Um, and essentially providers said that they, they expressed like both positive and negative aspects of taking care of older people. Mm. And a lot of them, um, the reasons were complex. So as I mentioned before, like economics, maybe some of it's driven by like, they're not getting paid as well as others. And then the other thing is exactly what you picked up on just now is that physicians are trained to cure. Like that is our objective. Right. And so it's difficult to work with patients that have chronic illnesses, mm. right? So if you have an acute thing, you have an ear infection, I can write you a prescription, you're better. Like, hallelujah, I get rewarded. I feel good. You're mm. happy. You're thankful. You feel good. We go, right? But um, people that have chronic illnesses that are not going to just be cured by one medicine or one treatment or whatever, it's more difficult. And that's not our model of training. And so they express frustration with caring for people that have these chronic illnesses because they're not really trained. The medical system is an acute care model. It's mm -hmm. not a long-term care model. Right. Um, and so the other thing, which is interesting how you were saying you were, you got upset with mom because you weren't sure that she was taking it as seriously as you thought she should be. So physicians are more cynical about working with older people, just like what came up for you about feeling like mom wasn't taking it seriously. They're also distrustful of older people. They feel like older people are not taking their health seriously, that they're going to just, they're going to hear what the doctor says and just still do whatever they want to do. Mm. Like they're stubborn, they're set in their ways, they're too late to change. So like, why even waste your time? Um, and the other thing that they might think about is like, well, you know, if you're, if you feel that way about older people, a lot of them can pick up on that. Mm, and so there was a, mm. the same study we was talking about, they feel that and, and instead of like coming to you and like fighting, as you were saying, advocating, mm -hmm. they just hear what you're saying and just don't follow the advice because mm. they feel like you don't care mm. or they just cancel their appointments. Mm. So those are the um, things that came up. So you might be picking up on like this kind of, I don't want to say learned helplessness, but like if you keep coming to a system and they're like, whatever, sure. you don't really care, like you're not really going to take it seriously and you don't feel heard. Yeah. And why keep coming? Well, and let me just clarify two things. One, I was mad at mom and upset with her for putting up with doctors. Sure. Right. Because as we've heard her be, Popping and advocate, if you're not going to treat me for what I want, I'm on to the next. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. And then the, I think the thing that I really struggled with and still struggle with, and I'm curious about your thoughts, I think mom, when she would talk about her ailments, mm -hmm. she would talk about them as if, right, they're curable. And that, mm -hmm. you know, she's working with doctors, which is why I was also frustrated because I was like, well, you've been working with this doctor for so long. They <laughs> haven't told you the route to your whatever working again. And so from my perspective, it's like, babe, this ailment has turned into a chronic illness mm. versus it being something that's curable. And so I feel like her even mindset about mm. the things that are impacting her are different than I might be perceiving them and maybe her physicians are perceiving them. Mm. Like you're saying that she feels like there is a end in sight, there is a cure Correct. waiting for that thing. Correct. And not understanding or accepting that this might be a longer term thing that you have to deal with. Correct. And I'm not sure if her doctors have communicated one or the other to her. Yeah, that. I think as we talk about some of her recent 
appointments, maybe some of this will come to light, but I don't know that that's ever been explained, Mm. especially because this happened kind of acutely, like some Mm. of her more recent Mm -hmm. illnesses or ailments that it does seem like, say you fall, you break an ankle, you expect that ankle to get better. For sure. Right? Like it wasn't like a gradual from her perspective anyway. It wasn't a gradual decline. Decline. It was like a sudden decline. And Mm. so I'm waiting for that medicine to get better. I'm waiting Mm. for the thing to make me better is what I think. But Oh my gosh. Now I want to ask you more questions. I feel like I want this to turn into a Q&A with Dr. (laughs) Heard Garris. But let's continue on, I guess. Let's continue. Roll tape. So, you know, um, a few days ago, I was asking you, what do you do all day? You've been retired. You ch- are you chilling at home? What are you doing? And you mentioned to me, like, I'm dealing with my health care all day, basically. You said that several times. Like, what are you doing to deal with your health care? Like, what is taking so much time? Like, how are you spending that time? Why is it taking so long? And how come you didn't have to do that before you retired? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that a lot of my friends that retired before me, they would talk about healthcare being an issue, um, getting it all straightened out, trying to understand. And one of the things they don't tell you before you retire is that you're going to be paying a shitload of money out mm. for healthcare prior than you did when you worked. Hmm. So that has been the the largest surprise, I guess the biggest surprise for me is that I figured if you're making less money, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to pay more in healthcare. And my uh, wake up call has been, I'm actually paying, I think, more in healthcare coverage because um, they nickel and dime you as a retiree versus than when I was working. Mm-hmm. And I uh, again, I remember um, my friend saying, you know, get ready because healthcare is a joke. Mm. But I have spent the large majority for days, even weeks on end, trying to make sure I have the proper coverage. Because after you get Medicare A and B, mm-hmm. you still need a rider for what they don't cover. And then you need another rider for drugs Mm -hmm. and all of that adds up. And um, just trying to make sure folks are getting paid. So the coverage is there. So I'm on the phone making sure that um, the amount that I'm being charged is correct. I'm getting credit from the state for what they will pay towards my health care mm-hmm. um, and making sure that's posted for because it was a month or two for the state to realize that they needed to pay that the um, supplement um, so that I can um, I could get even reimbursed. Mm. So knowing what you know now, would that have affected your decision to retire? Would you have still retired when you did, knowing that your insurance might change, the coverage might change, you'd be spending a significant amount of your time dealing with healthcare stuff? Probably not. Mentally, I was burnt out. I had to walk. Um, But I think what probably would have happened, I would have had more money set aside. 
Oh, to just for healthcare. Just for healthcare. Wow. How much do you spend? Would you guess? For healthcare? just on healthcare, yeah. That's not covered on a monthly basis for the different supplements. Probably close to three hundred, four fifty a month. A month. So, have you heard Mom say before that she spends her whole day doing healthcare? I had no idea. I'm like. Mom, what do you do all day? What are you sitting at home doing all day? I'm doing healthcare. Have you heard her say that? Yes, I have. That is that is her answer. Um, because I'd be wondering the same shit too. I'm like, because <laughs> I'm like, in my mind, in my mind, homie, right? It's a good 16 hours. You got 16 hours in a day, right? <laughs> so if it were me, I'm imagining my life. I'm going to go to the gym, maybe a Zumba class. Right. Tai Chi, something. Maybe go. Spinning. Go to get a coffee. <laughs> be at a park. Or get a drink and just drink every day. Right. One drink, right? And then lives a lot more life. Yeah. By like eating, I don't know, doing something. Yeah. It's a sad and life so to she, do healthcare all day. All day. All day. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand that. But um, the same Chrysler study that I was telling you about, mm -hmm. um, the part of the title is amazing. It's how ageism can be hazardous to women's health. Mm. And she was saying, or this person was saying that like, and I didn't think about this, that women typically live longer than men, obviously. Mm -hmm. So that means they have more interactions with the healthcare system. They're seeing doctors way more often because they're living longer. Mm -hmm. And every age group, especially in older age, they outnumber men, like mm -hmm. by far. Um, and so because they make up the majority of this elderly population, ageism and stereotypes and gender, you know, all this stuff interacts and it has a really important impact on like these older women, mm. like their mental well-being, um, physicians or whoever in the healthcare system shrugging off their complaints, saying like, of course, you're going to have ankle problems and memory problems. You're old, right? Not anything to do with like what they were doing before or how their state was before. It looks like you got something to, to say. No, I, I don't. I'm just like, it makes me think of uh, I was just, sorry, this is a huge stretch, but okay. stay with me. I was watching this video of Coco Goff, the tennis okay. player, oh, uh -huh. uh, basically argue and advocate for, to this ref, white man, mm -hmm. uh, Coco Goff, to our listeners who may not know, like open a book or something, watch, Stop watch, it. watch women's sports. Stop but anyway, it. a young black woman, mm -hmm. uh, tennis player, right? Mm -hmm. And they're arguing back and forth and he, she's like, keeps on saying like, show me the rule what's the rule or I, it, it's within my rights for you to get your manager to come out here and explain to me the rule back and forth a long long time right mm -hmm. um and it just makes me think about and it, i'm just gonna bring it in beyonce uh the beyonce <laughs> you're gonna go there video where she's like it. so you're saying they don't have a camera <laughs> you're saying they don't have right remember and it just makes me think of like women especially women of color, black women and mm -hmm. black women, like having to be like, hey, this thing is happening. And it's like, no, 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 it's this. Right. No, you're no, crazy. no, it's this. Which, which, you're old. Exactly. You're... What do you know, sweetheart? Right. I'm glad you Yeah, that. like like all that kind of stuff. And it just uh, it en enrages me. And I see why mom without her degrees or MD would be like no doctor because she I've been dealing with that BS a long, a long, time. long time. 
Uh, man, I was going to go somewhere else, but since you brought this up, I'm going to bring it in and then I'll go where I was going. But um, in, in like looking at how women in healthcare are treated, older women especially, you like, you should, you should have written the study. Essentially, um, these authors talk about the same thing, about mm. this infantilization mm. of women, mm-hmm. um, talking to them in baby talk, mm. talking down to them, or talking in a really bright tone, like, okay, mm. like you would talk to a pet, or you talk to a baby, and saying, sweetheart, dearie, young mm. lady. And I, I don't know if this is a race and gender thing, like maybe white women are talked to that way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've never seen black women talk to that way, but maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, in this kind of thought of like, oh, you're old and frail. Let mm-hmm. me like help you. Mm-hmm. And how that gets into their psyche too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe I can't do this. Or maybe I am more vulnerable. Or maybe I do need this help. And, and not really considering what they actually can do mm-hmm. and seeing them for the strong people that they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that comes up is that how women are actually older women are more likely to live alone Mm. um older men that's not the case but older women are more likely to live alone and lack some social support and so when it comes to like chronic disease or chronic illness management it's really difficult if you don't have your support system if you're living alone you have less economic resources to go off on and people are now then talking down to you and telling you you need all these things when you might not Mm. so yeah wild shall we shall we go on let it let are us, you not sad let, enough let us continue okay neo wait 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 wait. hold what's on what's up what's up what's up what's up homie i think we need a part two for reals for reals like we we are just scratching the surface and it's about to go off <laughs> let's do it let's do it <laughs>